Mama told me, ayy, not to sell work Mama, 17, 5, same color t-shirt White Mama told me, ayy, not to sell work Mama, 17, 5, same color t-shirt yeah. Young nigga poppin' with a pocket full of cottage Whoa, chemo, stop it, chopper, aim it, inch it, knock Had to call the Audi, then the top I had to chop it Niggas pocket watchin', so I gotta keep the rocket Neck water, faucet water, market birds, market And pint stockin', and next keep bodin' Wrist on hockey, hockey, wrist on rocket Rocky. Lot of niggas copy, huh, name someone can stop me No one, bitches call me poppy, bitch Sachi, that's my hobby, Sachi Got it on a molly, pocket rocket from a rally One off in the chamber, ain't no need for me to cock it Get the droppin' when that Draco get the poppin' All I want is cottage, roll up, cigar full of broccoli Cookie, no check, one all cash, nigga, I don't do deposits uh-uh. Bitches cross the border, nigga, bitches from the tropics I'ma get that bag, nigga, ain't no doubt about it, yeah I'ma feed my family, nigga, ain't no way around it Family, ain't gon' never let up, nigga, got set, show my talent Show young nigga with the ammo, walkin' with the hammer Talkin' country grammar, nigga, straight out North Atlanta no, Young nigga poppin' with a pocket full of cottage Whoa, chemo, stop it, chopper, aim it, bitch, a noggin' Had to cut the Audi, then the top, I had to chop it Niggas pocket watchin', so I gotta keep the Told me uh, not to sell work. Mama, 17, 5, same color t shirt. White. Mama told me uh, not to sell work. Mama, 17, 5, same color t shirt. Mama told me, Mama, not to sell work. Mama told you, 17, 5, same color t shirt. White. 1995, 2005, seen it with my eyes, dope still alive, real mob ties, real whole pies, all time high, do it for the culture, they gon' buy like vultures, way back when I was trapping not Toyotas, I'ma hit the gas, 12 can't pull me over, space cool, Quavo, Yoda, pouring, drinking sodas, I get high on my own, sir, heard you gon' Closer. Stop all that blessing, young nigga don't wanna go there Never been a gopher, but I always been a soldier Young niggas in the cut, posted like a vulture Diving off the stage in the crowd, it's a mosh pit Yeah, shout it bad, but she broke and she don't own shit Mama asked me, son, when the trapping gon' quit I been riding round through the city in my new bitch Young nigga poppin' with a pocket full of cottage Whoa, chemo, stop it Chopper, aim it at your noggin Had to cut the Audi, then the top I had to chop it Niggas pocket watchin', so I gotta keep the rocket Mama told me not to sell work Mama, 17, 5, same color t-shirt Mama told me not to sell work Mama, 17, 5, same color t-shirt It is the first week of November. Fall is in the air. Thanksgiving's around the corner, and we all know what that means when Thanksgiving passes. Obviously, it means Christmas is coming, but all of that is still to come. The point is, we are right into the thick of fall, and this here is the Play-by-Play Analysis Podcast. It's your boy, Devin Ash, PSK, Play-by-Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. And we are back with another new episode but a familiar face in the building my guy walt philly all of it is in the building what's going on bro yes sir what's up brother can't complain man all is well here um i love love the intro like you said november is upon us uh sports equinox season uh, is upon us i mean sports overload right now but you know all is well brother so good to be on the pod as always 
And this is a unique sports equinox this year because it is a World Cup year, which this year normally because the World Cup is usually in the summer, we don't think about it. But now this year it's in the fall because they decided to have it in the one country on earth that made the very least amount of sense to have one in. But yeah, you know, we, we, we love the World Cup, but we're not here to talk about the World Cup today. Obviously, the only football that matters in this country is American football. And we are here to talk about some good old college football because this was one hell of a weekend mm-hmm. all around, but in more ways than people would think. And we're going to get into that later. But we're going to start with the usual suspects. Tennessee, man. Um, we talked about them a few weeks ago. Big win over Alabama. And they just keep right on rolling. You know, they handled Kentucky, man. They handled Kentucky. I was not expecting that. I, I thought it would be a much better game. But, yeah, Tennessee, man. I mean, they look good, bro. Uh, like you said, we knew their offense was explosive. You know, they spread it out. Uh, Josh Heupel letting Hendon Hooker kind of do his thing. But, I mean, the big surprise in this game was the way the defense stepped up and absolutely locked down uh, Kentucky. Uh, for for the game, honestly, you know they had the one touchdown in the first quarter. Didn't score after that. Uh, Will Levis, who me and you we, we we joked about it, I believe how they you know like to insert him into the conversation with uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. I think he was exposed uh, finally, um, but he struggled three interceptions. But uh, Tennessee, they're the real deal. Uh, I mean, I love to see Hendon Hooker succeeding. Yeah, um, I, of course, I love Hyatt. He he went off again. Uh, and I'm and I'm just happy to see a new contender in the SEC besides Alabama and Georgia. So that's where that's where I'll leave it, bro. That's what I'm saying. You know, to to your first point, yeah, Will Levis, he ain't him. He ain't him because this is this is multiple weeks now against big big time opponents that he just hasn't shown up. We we remember the Ole Miss game that a lot of people kind of probably don't talk about as much, but we remember that game and how he just looked a hot mess there. Then you go into Tennessee, and I mean, that was about as worse as I've ever seen him look, ever. Mm-hmm. And I haven't watched a whole lot of him, but I just, he, he, he's, he scares me, you know, as a prospect. I just, I just don't, I mean, all of these quarterbacks do, but he scares me in a different way. Now, with that being said, Hendon Hooker is the Heisman Trophy winner, especially if they beat Georgia. If they beat Georgia, you might as well wrap it up. But I feel like not enough people are giving Jalen Hyatt, I think he should be in the conversation just as much as Hendon Hooker. And hear me out, hear me out, because I look at Devontae Smith. That that's the one person I look at where he he kind of came almost out of nowhere. A lot of people thought it would either go to Mac Jones or I can't even remember who else was in it that year. I think it was like Kyle Trask. It, it was a couple other people, and Devontae Smith kind of made his way through the pack and made it happen. And I'm like, you look at Jalen Hyatt, every game, every big game especially, but every game that you have watched him in. Alabama, nobody, not a soul could cover him. You you look at Kentucky, again, not a soul could cover him. Like, I'm like, I've never seen one man just continually run wide open down the middle of the field and just nobody have answers for it. Yeah, it's absurd, bro. Like, his numbers right now, like you said, I, I love, I'm a, you know, I'm a receiver myself. Uh, so I love when wide receivers are into the mix. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about my next guy uh, with the next team I, I may talk about in this segment. But what Hyatt is doing is ridiculous, right? He has over 900 yards right now, 907 yards, only 45 catches. That's all. That's all it takes. And he has like 15 touchdowns, too, I think, or something crazy. And like four, yeah, and 14 touchdowns. 14, He's averaging yeah. 20 yards per catch. Leading the NCAA with 14 touchdowns right now, like, Absurd numbers, uh, you know, leading, of course, in average yards per catch. And he's having a crazy, crazy year. And like you said, bro, let's put more wide receivers into the conversation because, you know, we saw Devontae do it and we saw Devontae win a national championship in the first half, essentially. Um, and, and why not Jalen Hyatt? I mean, he'll finally be tested, I would say, uh, against Georgia. They have some young D-backs, but they're, you know, as good as it gets. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited and I think, you know, all eyes will be, uh, you know, on this number one Georgia, number two Tennessee matchup this upcoming week. Right, right, right. Now you know I'm, I'm find Devontae's stats because I just I, I didn't even look at his stats when I made this suggestion, but I, I got to find his stats from the year he won it. Devontae Smith, yeah, twenty twenty stats. Let's see what he did. Let's see what he did. All right. Nope, nope, nope. Wrong thing. No, I'm looking at. Okay, hold on. 
That's his Eagle stats. That's why I was like, I know he had more than that. Okay. Let's see what he did. Let's see what he did. At Alabama. Let's see what he did. All right. Here we go. Okay. In 2020 at Alabama, he had 117 catches. 1,856 yards. He averaged almost 16 yards a catch, and he had 23 touchdowns. That's that's what he had the year he won the Heisman. All right. Jalen Hyatt. Let's see what he's doing this year. And this is through, what is this, eight games, I think? Yeah. Eight games. Okay, let's see. Let's see. Jalen Hyatt. All right. 45 catches, 907 yards, and 14 TDs. That's that's through eight games. So it's not it's not like I don't know what Smith's numbers were through eight games, but like 14 TDs through eight games. He has he's at least gonna catch Devontae with that. Yeah. So it it I mean he's probably the only the real difference I think with um the the real difference is that. In the case of Devontae Smith, like we remember that offense, he was the man. Like it was, it was, it was not like Matt Jones was better than him. Like you kind of knew that he, Matt Jones, was doing his thing because of Devontae Smith. Absolutely. In this, in uh, this case, oh, got injured. Waddle was injured. And and Waddle was either injured or he was in the league. I think. Yeah, he, he was injured. He was injured. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came back in a national championship. He tried to play, I believe. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because you remember he messed his knee up. I do remember mm-hmm. that. Yep. Because everybody thought he was the guy. And then Smith. Yep. Yeah. So, in this case, it's a little different because clearly, Hendon Hooker is that dude. <laughs> so, I think that's where it'll be different. But, we're going to move on from Tennessee because, obviously, shout out to them. For just coming back the way they have, but absolutely, um, we're moving on to bigger and better things, and let's talk about TCU. You know, um, we remember so there have been some really good TCU teams over the years. You know, we remember the Andy Dalton years when they first moved up to the Power Five, and then you know after Andy Dalton left, it just kind of continued with Trevon Boykin and Gary Patterson and, and and some of the teams that they had. And then they kind of went into a little bit of a lull. Gary Patterson was eventually either let go or he walked away. I don't remember how it went down, but he he's gone out the door. He's he's uh, gone out the door. Or whatever. They hire Sonny Dykes, and in year one he's eight zero, and it's a good eight zero because he's beaten a lot of really good teams, and they've done it in all type of ways. They blow you out. They have a lot of come from behind wins, like that game against Oklahoma State, and then this past weekend. They prove they can beat you in shootouts too, which the Big Twelve ain't never been short of shootouts. But like, you know, shout out to TCU and everything that they're doing down there. Yeah, I mean, we all know Sonny Dykes uh, in terms of being an offensive mind. Like, he's as good as it gets. Uh, wherever he's at, they put up numbers. Um, their, their passing attack is always explosive wherever Sonny Dykes goes. And uh, <laughs> Max Duggan, who's their who's their quarterback, I know a lot of TCU fans want to want to enter him into that. Um, that Heisman conversation, um, but he's you know a guy that's paid his dues, right? He's he's seen the the ups and downs of of TCU. I know when me you were kind of growing up, especially when we were in high school, middle or high school, and even in college, probably TCU was that team um, that was always very very good, right? Like they were uh, probably I think leaving the Mountain West, entering into the Big Twelve, and like they were always that team uh, that any given year they could win ten games, but uh, kind of reverted back to reality. Um, in the last four or five years, but it looks like TCU is back. And uh, I know University of Texas fans hate the hair, but once again, I think TCU is probably the best college football team in the state. So uh, that's that's where we're at with it. Which is crazy because that state got a lot of good teams in it. Texas is good. TCU is good. Baylor is having a down year this year, but they're usually, they've been pretty good since David Randa got there. Uh, and before that, when I, Art Browse was there, but we all know how that ended. Um, you know, SMU usually has had some better years, but they lost some coaches, whatever. But yeah, TCU is the best team in the state right now. And it, it's crazy to think about that because they, they do have a date with Texas this weekend. So those are always good games. I don't know what it is about TCU when they play Texas, but those are always good games. So this is going to be a big test for both of those teams. Now, elsewhere in college... um. 
it's funny to think about TCU because they, they ended up hiring Sonny Dykes and in year one it's been working out. But I don't know how many people realize this, but the coach that they, during the hiring process last year, one of the coaches that apparently was on the radar because of his connections to Texas, a man down in Jackson, Mississippi by the name of Deion Sanders. And thankfully for all of us, he didn't get that job because what he's been doing at Jackson State is insane. And and this past weekend, which we're going to get more into it later. I'm going to just focus on the game for now. They beat the shit out of Southern. Like, they beat the brace off of them. And I did not expect that because that is a rivalry game. Like, you know, for a lot of people that aren't in tune to the swag and the history around it, like, Southern and, and Jackson State is like one of those games where it's like, no, they don't like them. They don't like us. We don't like them type of deal. Like, Trash talking the week before the game, you know, like, just all type of stuff. Like, that's a real old school, like, bad blood type rivalry. And during the game, it was some jawing. It was some back and forth. They were trying to get under their skin a little bit, you know. I said going into the week, like, yo, Southern is probably the best test that they faced all year. And yet, somehow, in spite of all of that, and in spite of the weather, and in spite of all of the attention surrounding them, they didn't let none of that get to them. They beat them thirty-five. Love. Yep. I mean, like the like Prime is he's uh, rejuvenating um, swag football in a way. I don't want to say you know he's you know absolutely changing the game, but he's definitely rejuvenated. Right. Uh, rejuvenated to a place that it hasn't been in a long time. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, and no bigger moment, like you said, is a rivalry game, um, college game day there. Um, so I mean the energy was there, and like you said, the, the weather wasn't great, right? Like it was, it wasn't a. But you know, Jackson State continues to to show out and and do their thing and put on for the swag. And under the under the bright lights, we could say, um, even though I wanted to see the game on ESPN or ESPN two, I think that would have been a nice right. nice nod as game day was there. But uh, you know, they look great. That defense is as good as it gets. They got a lot of dudes running out running out um, out there on Jackson State's defense that you know I think could play. Um, in the SEC or in the Big 12. Some of them um, did. Exactly, exactly. And that just you know, <laughs> speaks like... through the recruiting down there that Prime is doing. Um, and, um, you know, sadly, I don't know if you saw it, uh, you watched game day, but uh, David Pollock said uh, Deion Sanders won't be at Jackson State next year. Um, but I hope, you know, I hope for uh, Deion Sanders' sake in Jackson State and as well as Shador Sanders, I would love to see them stay at Jackson State um, and finish this thing and, you know, and do something that hasn't been done before. So, um, I, I would love to see this happen, and, and you know, I, I can't wait to see how Jackson State continues to rise, and um, and ultimately, you know, they gotta they gotta finish the deal. Last year, they they didn't finish the deal and, and win that you know HBCU championship, but uh, hey, let's uh, let's hope hopefully they finish the deal this year. Yeah, yeah, I want to I want to address that uh, thing real quick. See, it's, it's something about it, and, and I'm gonna sound like a hypocrite depending on some things that come around later for OTL, but we'll, we'll I know get where you're going. Later. I know where you're going, but, but go ahead, bro. I'm so I'm not gonna say tired of it yet because it is it's only been going on, but it's really like we we know how college football works. Like we know, generally speaking, the small schools they pillage and kind of you know the coaches leave, and and generally when you do something at those schools, the coaches leave and it kind of goes away. I get all of that, but. Maybe it's just the fact that I went to an HBCU. Maybe I'm being a little sensitive. I don't know. Something about the way they keep talking about, oh, well, when Dion leaves, when Dion leaves, well, you know, could he get poached away? Could he go to a power fight? Like, the, 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 the way it's being talked about now just kind of sits with me the wrong way like it, it seems like people are a little bit too eager for him to leave like as opposed to letting him just stay and actually build a movement like it just yeah. it just seems kind of unnecessary and especially like when you have game day down there and then the fact that like y'all are even bringing it up like oh man he might leave next year like what asking him about it just seems really like rubbing your faces, like I, yeah. I don't know what it is. Something about that just hasn't sat right with me. Like, yeah. it's weird. No doubt, no doubt, and, and I'm right there with you. Even when they brought that question out, they were doing like a little Halloween thing. And again, I love college game, but I think it's one of the best shows on TV. Right. Period. Right. You know, regardless of of genre, I think college game day is just great. Um, I love the interaction 
with the colleges. I love what Pat McAfee has been bringing to the show. Right. Um, personality. But I did have an issue, bro, when they did, you know, when that came up. Where will Deion Sanders be coaching at next season? Right? Like, you come to this man's, you know, campus. You come to their crowd. And this is how you this is how you thank them, right? This is how you show them appreciation. Um, you know, so I wasn't a huge fan of that. And, and it's not just game day. That's why I'm not trying to make it just a game day. It's been thing. all like, over. Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been all over. It's been constant. Yeah. Um, and it's like, we get it, right? The FBS is the next level up, right? We get it that right. the, the resources are different at that level. We get it that the money won't maybe differ for Dion, And it could, you know, boost his platform. But I do want to get to the point, Dev, where we're like, the HBCU job isn't a stepping stone uh, for something else, right? Like the HBC, the HBCU job should be valued um, just a, as any other job uh, in the nation, right? And what is that saying to our, you know, our young four star, five star recruits like a Travis Hunter who came to Jackson State probably because of Deion Sanders, but it's also the HBCU experience that he gets to, you know, take part in and that he gets to experience. Um, so I think it's like. How can we get to the point where we're consistently bringing four- and five-star recruits to these HBCUs where we know, me and you both know, that they will have a great college experience. They will get a full college experience that they may be, you know, deprived of at some of these PWIs at, you know, these Power 5 schools. So it is bo- it is very bothersome that the the question is not, you know, and the, the conversation isn't the fact that we are celebrating Deion Sanders, but it's about, oh, is he going to take the Florida State job? Oh, is he going to take the Auburn job, right? So that's a lot of stuff that's taking attention off of, you know, Jackson State and a lot of attention off of the great success that he's having at Jackson State because we're always so caught up on the next move. And right. I do think it's amplified that the fact that he's at HBCU and they're not getting the credit or the respect that they, you know, that they deserve. Right. And then the other thing, too, like you said, you know, I don't even think it's true that him leaving would increase his profile. Like, I mean, we look at... The, like, look at look at what's happening while he's down there. He he he's doing, and and it's not just him. So I think we've we've given a lot of credit to Deion Sanders, rightfully so. He's he's a really good coach, and the amount of like content that is being produced around him, we're getting a lot of inside looks at how it's going. So we do see like how good of a coach he is and stuff, mm-hmm. and why he's been successful. But. We've seen this before where big-name coaches come down to HBCUs or guys with NFL credentials come to HBCUs and you and you think because of the credentials alone that they're just going to be successful and it hasn't always worked out. Absolutely. He's actually a good coach, but he's also got a lot of talent. Like, these kids are the ones on the field playing. Like, you know, they're the ones scoring all the points and stuff. Like, a coach can have the best system in the world, but if you don't got players to execute, then you can't do nothing about it. So, like, these dudes have earned it just as much as him. It's it, the players, too. So that, and then on top of that, it's like, I just don't want him to leave. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more than just, I don't even go to Jackson State, but I'm like, you look at, look at what, he, like, you look at this stuff, you look at the way things are for Jackson in particular. Like, you know, I'm glad he didn't go to, to a big like if he would have gone to like Howard or Morehouse or something like you know we, we not that we don't like those schools but those are the ones that always kind of it's like the town to 10 like they're the ones that always get all the love he went to a school in Jackson that hadn't had anything good in, in a long time and has really re- revived and re- revigorated things and then he's brought talent in there because, you know, in this NIL era has proven something that I'm sure we knew all along in previous years. But because of how stiff the NCAA was before, it just wasn't on display as much. The fact that you, if you can play football, you can play anywhere in the country and they'll mm-hmm. find you. Like, it don't matter if you in the SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, the damn F- FBS, like if you go to North Dakota State. Like, they'll find you. That's why it kills me when people try to discredit Shador Sanders and how good he's been. Because I'm like, what? What y'all want him to... So, y'all talking about, oh, look at the competition he's playing. And I'm like, so would you rather him go to a what's perceived to be lower-level competition and suck? Because then what y'all going to say if he sucks at Jackson versus if he's lighting it up at Jackson and it just happens to not be in the Big, big Ten or SEC? Like, I'd rather you be a beast. And that's why I'm like, yo, if they were to leave and go somewhere like Auburn, I don't think there would be a drop-off in production. Like, I really don't. I think Shador is that good. Like, he was recruited by Alabama. A lot of people don't know that. 
you know, Travis Hunter was the number one player in the nation. I think the two of them in particular would be just fine anywhere else in the country. Absolutely. You know? And then he's brought attention to the other thing we know, like the SWAC conference in particular. It's a lot of history in that conference. Like, they're just as proud as any SEC school. They're just as proud as any Big Ten. You look at the rivalries in that conference. You look at the way their fans travel for games. Like, I didn't realize it until they played Southern. Like, they, there's a lot of games, like, up, up, up north up here in the east. A lot of us, homecoming is the biggest game for us because mm-hmm. most of our teams just aren't as good. In the SWAC, you got classics. You got, like, Southern and JSU. You got JSU and Alcorn. You got... You know, like the all these other classic games where they might be bigger than their homecomings. <laughs> so it's like I say all that to say it's it's a lot of attention being brought to what's been a proud conference for years, and I'm just glad that it's getting the love. You know, absolutely, bro, absolutely now. But yeah, it's, it's it's just cool to see him, and this is the one coaching cycle where I hope white privilege prevails. <laughs> you know. I ain't never said that before, but I'm like, bro, I don't want him to leave. I would love for somebody to get a lesser qualified white man to coach Auburn. I, I would I would love for that to happen this coaching cycle. Like, please hire somebody like Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze or somebody that's going to crash and burn. Please do it. Leave Dion alone. <laughs> Recycle the usual suspects, huh? Right. Please, please do it. Please. Please get an Alabama assistant. That we know ain't really that good. Please do it. I'm, I'm just begging you. Cause, right. Yeah, because as long as you can keep Dion at, at Jackson and, and, and keep bringing more people in, the longer you can delay it at least. Because, I mean, after a few years, I wouldn't be too upset if he left. But, like, I'd like him to stay around a little bit. At least until Shador and Travis Hunter get up out of there. I'm with you. <laughs> you know? Like, and I think that might also happen anyway. Like, I feel like that's one of his other things. Like, if he can stay long enough, to, like, his thing is his family, his sons. Like, playing with his sons has been cool. I think where wherever Shador, if Shador can actually stay at Jackson and, like, graduate if he stays long enough or, or leave early and go to the league, I think after that, we can open the conversation about Deion Lee. <laughs> like, at least stay while they're there. Because... Those two are going to be second at the worst, at the worst third round picks, but second easily. Mm-hmm. So it's just you know, shout out to those two. Shout out to Aubrey Miller too, because he's a beast as well. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, we're, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna get more into that stuff later, obviously. But yeah, shout out to Jackson State. Shout out to college football. We got a big week coming up. Mm-hmm. Big week. Yeah, man, that Tennessee Georgia game. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be wild. Uh, Tennessee fans have been waiting for this one for a long time, so I'm, I'm, I can't wait to be uh, to tune in, right? Uh, and see who who the real number one is. I, I would say that might be the game of the year. Like the way we always talk about Alabama LSU, which also mm-hmm. is being played this weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is gonna be a big weekend of college football coming up. So TCU Texas Alabama LSU. Uh, Georgia, Tennessee. Um, there's so many other ones, but those are the big three. But yeah, mm-hmm. love it. We have reached my favorite part of the show. You know, big time plays of the day dedicated to all of the biggest stories in the world of sports. And we are going to go from the college ranks to the NFL because the NFL also had a handful of big games and also a much more active than usual trade deadline. Yeah. Which, you know, I guess we could start with that because everybody saw the games. My thing with the trade deadline, man. This year, the NFL trying to be like the NBA because normally the NFL wait till the offseason to trade anybody and to do stuff like that. They, they're not big on trades for the most part. This year has been real active. It started last year with the, all the trades and then it's carried over and we've seen some big ones already. Um, the biggest, your biggest observations from the trade deadline, any of the moves that you saw that really stood out yeah. to you? I mean, the biggest one happened, uh, what was that, uh, you know, a week ago when, um, you know, McCaffrey got moved, of course, uh, to, to team up with uh, the guy Right, the guy Kyle Shanahan, who mm-hmm. 
it seems like this offense was 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 made for a guy like um Christian McCaffrey. Like Christian McCaffrey. Um so that's so that's big. Um and we saw what he did this week having a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, and a passing touchdown. And for me, a big fantasy football player who ha- who owns Christian McCaffrey in a few leagues, I mean it's it's a dream come true in that regard. But like you said, bro, we got, you know, running backs like Naeem Hines being traded, who I think is a great utility running back. Um, you know, I believe uh was Chase Edmonds traded as well. Yeah, Ridley was traded as well, right? Calvin Ridley. Yep, he went down to Jacksonville, but we ain't gonna to see him until next and year. He's suspended though, for so. the season, right? So like, uh, that's a big one. I think uh, Hawkinson moving from the Lions. The Lions wasn't doing much, but I think you know the Vikings are actually a team that can can make some noise in the NFC playoffs. Um, you know, with that wide open NFC, so add another weapon with Kirk Cousins uh, going along with Jefferson and. And, um, you know, Thielen, I think that's that's big for them. But I think the biggest trade was Roquan Smith, of course, going to uh, to the Ravens, uh, a team who's been missing that defensive anchor. I think the Ravens have a okay defense when they're healthy, um, but that's been a struggle this year. Um, but a team, the Ravens, again, who... They can't Lamar get pressure. Gear, yeah. They, they, they can't get pressure. Roquan, I don't know how much of a sack artist he was as a linebacker, but, like, their biggest issue, like you said, the defense was trash. When, mm-hmm. when, and I mean, but even it's been people healthy this year. Like the secondary has been horrendous, and that was supposed to be a strength because you got all these dudes that are back there, and everybody figured whatever. But like that front seven is horrible as well. Like, and it's just trickled down. I think Roquan's gonna help. Like you said, it's gonna stabilize some stuff. They still need to figure out some pass rush, but I think he'll help that. So that that should be straight. And like you said, he might be the best linebacker they've had in almost ten years. Oh yeah, like easily, it's it's crazy. Now for yeah. me, the biggest one that stood out to me is Justin Fields finally has a wide receiver. Finally, finally, finally. Now Aaron Rodgers does not still, <laughs> you know, but Justin Fields, man, like he actually has started to look like an NFL quarterback in recent weeks. Like the Bears seem to have some pieces in place. Like I, I do like him. I hate the situation he was put in. But it looks as if he's actually starting to progress, which compared to the rest of his classmates is a very welcoming sign because Trevor Lawrence still looks bad. Zach Wilson is not the guy in New York. You know, I'm I'm here to tell y'all. And who was the other one? Uh, Trey Lance is injured, so we don't even know. We haven't seen him yet. So I think Justin Fields is looking good. Claypool is not the greatest option in the world, but like, I mean, that's a dude. He's 6'4" a lot of talent Notre Dame is just so much of some some that can't talk somewhat of a head case at times he, he need to grow up sometimes but like I think those two could do some serious damage together if like everything pans out like it's supposed to yeah I mean you know I'm, I'm conflicted with this I'm, I'm a Steelers fan uh and, and Claypool I think he, he showed promise he, this is year two for him um he's been he's been solid with his time in Pittsburgh um I mean it's most of the time it's the answers off the field that kind of got him ran out of Pittsburgh in short time, but he was also wasn't a first-round draft pick, so, you know, his, his contract was, was set to renew soon anyway. Um, you know, when guys are in first-round draft picks, that's kind of how it is, but for the Steelers, I don't think they lose much. You know, their, their team at this point, I think, I won't say tanking, but they're not expected to do much, and I'm a big Justin Fields fan. Uh, I mean, he shows promise. He shows flashes. Got embarrassed this week, but uh, had a great week the week before. Um, but adding Chase Claypool to the other side of Darnell Mooney, um, I think we're starting to move some pieces. Um, I saw a lot of people say Ryan Poles, the GM for the Bears, is being aggressive. Uh, people didn't like the Roquan Smith trade on their end. But, again, a team that's super young, uh, a team that's kind of in a rebuild mode. So, why not go out there, be aggressive on the trade deadline, you know, get some draft capital, and start to, you know, actually really start to rebuild. So, I'm with you, man. I think that's a that's a big a big trade for for both sides, uh, for Pittsburgh. You know, getting a second round pick for probably your you know wide receiver three maybe with George Pickens kind of being the go to guy for uh, for Pickett right now. So, hey, I think it's a win win for both teams, honestly. Because I do think Pittsburgh could afford to get rid of uh, yeah. Claypool because you have. Pickens is emerging. Deontay Johnson is really good or is going to be really good. Claypool just wasn't good enough. Like, he, he's good, but he just wasn't good enough. I think Chicago, I think he'll he'll be all right, like as good as you can be in that situation. 
And as far as Roquan Smith goes, anybody that was mad about it probably wasn't paying attention. Like, he had demanded a trade earlier in the year anyway. So, like, this was going to happen one way or the other because he was going to be a free agent. Like, he just wasn't coming back. You might as well get something for him than let him walk away for nothing. Mm-hmm. Especially in a rebuild. So, yeah, you could use all the picks. Now, that being said, um, it's some guys who surprisingly weren't traded. Um, Brandon Cook somehow survived, which he didn't seem happy about if you saw his Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, Green Bay still don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> um, the Ravens somehow did not give Lamar any weapons. I think they just... What the fuck? Like, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a lot of teams that probably... Green Bay, I mean, I kind of get it. But, like, the Ravens, I don't know what y'all would do. Like, there's no way that y'all don't be more aggressive. There was DJ Moore out there. There was Brandon Cooks out there. Claypool, you know, who's in the division. Like, I mean, it was just so many people that they could have gone after. And I'm just like, what are they doing? I mean, Roquan was good, but, like, you know... Yeah, I mean, for for the Ravens, I think they're at the point where, you know, they think that the recipe, and again, let's just call them crazy because we've seen it that it hasn't worked in the past uh, with that style of offense in the playoffs. Um, and again, I don't want to put the credit on solely Lamar Jackson um, or even, you know, solely, you know, Greg Roman. Um, but I just think it's that mentality that you have to be a run-first team um, or, and play solid defense. Like, that's that's more of a... How do we say it, bro? It's more of a, like a... a, a Old school. A type of thing. It's not a 2020s thing, right? We, we see that AFC game, uh, you know, last year in the playoffs, the Allen versus uh, Mahomes matchup. And that's, I mean, that's just what it's going to be in the AFC. Um, so, with the Ravens who, maybe they said, let's strengthen our defense so we don't have to get into a shootout with one of those teams. But I don't care how good the defense is. When you're playing against... Mahomes and Allen, you're going to have to put up points. You're going to have to have a receiver that could go make plays like a Stephon Diggs, um, you know, or, you know, Tyreek Hill for, for the Chiefs the last few years. But I don't know, man. I guess they, they're comfortable enough uh, with Lamar Jackson, you know, throwing to Bateman when he's healthy. Um, you know, Andrews uh, likely who, who looked really good as a rookie um, last week. But I don't know. I, I'm with you. Uh, maybe Odell will sign there. Who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting on him. Yeah, and I also think they look at what Kansas City has done this year without Tyreek, and they're like, hey, we can do that. Yeah. You know, central, central, your offense being central around the tight end and then having other guys chip in. But like you said, people got to get healthy, though. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the main so. thing. But, but moving on from trade deadline stuff, um, it's a lot that happened this week, man. It's a lot. And I'm going to just jump right into it. You know, you played yourself dedicated pretty much to all the niggas that we about to go over. <laughs> because all of y'all are ridiculous. Um, the NBA normally is a basketball league. But for some reason this year, we talking about everything but basketball. I mean, if it ain't. You know, like you come into the year and you got Robert Sarver using the N word, and then then mm-hmm. then Ime Udoka getting suspended for whatever he getting suspended for. Then you go over and the Brooklyn Nets are a walking shit show by themselves. I mean, you got KD forcing trying to force his way out, and it's him or me with the coach, and then Kyrie Flat Earth Irving just out here. Just I mean, good God, bro! And then on top of all that, today. At the time we were recording this, they are without a head coach because Steve Nash has been fired as he should have been. What in the hell is going on, first of all, in Brooklyn? And then the rest of the NBA, but especially what is going on in Brooklyn? I don't understand this. It's it's madness. I mean, it's uh, New York City craziness um, that's going on right now. Uh, um, Even the Knicks are this dysfunctional. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was was like a recipe for disaster. Uh, I mean... You said it before we got on here. Maybe the moment that they hire Steve Nash. Um, because we, I mean, Kevin Durant, I don't think he's necessarily ever been a distraction. Uh, I mean, we know he, he loves Twitter. I was, you know, I was going to joke and call him Kevin Twitter fingers Durant. Um, but, you know, he's been he's been standing up on, on, on for what he, you know, believes in, you know, surpassing Twitter. But we all knew the Kyrie Irving mesh with a guy like Steve Nash. Um 
would have been very weird um, in that head coach star player dynamic. Uh, you know, a lot of times Kyrie and KD said to the media that they were very, very in on the process of hiring Steve Nash, right? But I think the business can get in the way of, of a lot of this, right? Steve Nash, I look at him as a guy who played with Kevin Durant, played with Kyrie Irving before his career was over, right? Like, he's not that much older than them. Um, and you know, there's a guy like Jason Kidd who has a lot of respect from players who played with him uh, from that coaching perspective. But young coaches struggle, um, especially with, you know, dynamic personalities and, and powerful personalities like a Kyrie Irving or a Kevin Durant. And his job under the Brooklyn, you know, New York City lights is tough. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, and then in the midst of the craziness of the times that we've been in the last few years, whether it's COVID with Kyrie, whether it's, you know, the, the huge protests following the George Floyd murder, um, and again, you know, with Kyrie sitting out. So there was a lot of stuff, you know, that's been built up. And, you know, Steven Ash, he kind of got caught in the crossfire. Like, that's just what it is for a lot of this. Um, but but some of this also is like, bro, they, they also hired him because KD and Kyrie were very vocal about the fact that, generally speaking, they don't need a coach, is what they said. Like, where are the coaches on the floor? Like, yeah. that was part of it. They they needed the chaperone, effectively, is all they needed in this situation. Yeah. And, I, I mean, the, the thing is, like, the Nets have never been a smart organization. Never. I mean, they. I can, we can go through the list right. of the moves that they've made historically as a team. And we can even go as simple as, you know, last season, trading James Harden. Right? That was just dumb on their part. Like, it made, it made absolutely no sense. Um, and now, right now, without a coach. Um, so it's just like they, they've, you know, historically made dumb decisions. And then let's um, go back further. Remember the exactly. great train robbery that turned into Jalen Tatum, I mean, Jalen yeah. Brown and, and uh, Jason Tatum for Boston that should have been on Brooklyn. Exactly. For old exactly. ass Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it's just tough. I mean, and Kevin Durant, uh, I mean, I love the guy. I love his game. I think he's a you know transcendent talent, one of the greatest we've ever seen. But this is a very, very unstable situation for him. Um, and I think is you know, uncharted territory that he's in right now because... He created he, it. it. Exactly. And it, it's all on him wanting to be his own man and him saying that he didn't have anything to prove, but him making a move that makes zero sense on in any, in any capacity. Right, if it was about basketball, I don't think he would be in Brooklyn right now. No, like, I was, think I think part of it. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right, you're right. It because it, if there's anything Kevin Durant cares about, it's hooping. That's that's it, really. Like yeah. he don't care about the media. He don't care about his family. Damn near sometimes, like he don't care about nothing but hooping. But linking your reputation to Kyrie Irving, dangerous. <laughs> Even before this, like this year is a level of Kyrie that I don't think I've ever seen before. But even before this year, it's a proven track record. Like I nicknamed him the franchise killer because that's really what he is. This dude in Cleveland forced his way out because he didn't want to be in LeBron's shadow, which is somewhat understandable, but it's pretty stupid at the same time. Then you go to Boston and then publicly apologize to LeBron because you're like, oh, I thought it would be easier than this. And then force your way out of Boston because that was a hot ass mess. And you go to, did he go to Brooklyn right after Boston? Yeah, he. I think so. Yeah, so you go to Brooklyn. You know, first few years you were injured, had a lot of injury problems, you know, whatever. You somehow convinced KD to sign there. And I don't get how, I remember when that sign had happened and I was like, bro, these are two of the most mercurial people in the NBA that are banding together. This dynamic could get real, real dicey. I remember saying that. I did not expect everything that has, had, that has transpired up to this point. And it's even worse than I imagined. Like, it, it's insane. And then, then you got Kyrie just going full hotep, full black Israelite on us. And it's like, bro, I mean, I know a lot of people like Kyrie Irving. That's the funniest part. Like, if you're black, you know some Kyries. It's, it's a lot of Kyries out there, you know? And then this happens on the heels of Kanye West and his rants. <laughs> it's like, bro, it's just back to back to back. What is going on, bro? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, misinformation that's been spread, um, but it, it it's reached to a point where a lot of people that have influence or you know promotion, as Kyrie said, he's he wasn't promoting anything, but I mean, it's just to the point where 
we got to be smarter as, as people. Um, and for Kyrie Irving, who's a guy who I think, you know, and again, I don't want to disrespect him because I think he's, he's, a, he's a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, I, th- Usually. I think he's more I think he's more aware than, than a lot of people. Uh, but I think at, at a certain point, he begins to outsmart himself, right? He begins to do some things that um, are, are, you know, a little bit out there for a guy that should you know, he went to duke right let's be honest them like the guy's not dumb at all um but he chooses to ignore certain things he chooses to continue to i don't even want to say you know unlearn things because he he just feels as though you know what he learns is a lot better and smarter than others um but i think it's, it's starting to catch up to him i mean and i think that that's you know kind of pulled the plug and just said you know you always talked about how much you wanted to be bigger than basketball and how you always wanted to do all these things but then you get up on the stand and you <laughs> kind of you know kind of cover it all up and say now i'm just a basketball player or you know now i don't have this great influence right so like very very contradictory yeah no that's the thing yeah that that's the thing that sat wrong with me. <laughs> that that sat really wrong with me watching that exchange with nick fidel because it's like like you said he is he has said this before when you decide to call yourself a voice to the voiceless Mm -hmm. you can't go out here and sidestep questions when you use your voice you cannot go out here and act like you how dare these people question me like no once you put your neck out there as the so-called voice of the voiceless you need to start speaking bro you need to start explaining yourself like (laughs) this is not this is not this is not what you think this is like that's not what this is and then the other part to me that is pissing me off about all this stuff I am like, I remember watching Donald Trump say some of the same stupid shit that y'all are sitting here praising Kanye and Kyrie for. Like, how is it that when racist white folks say this shit, it's a problem? As soon as Kanye starts talking about slavery was a choice, y'all niggas was the first, and not y'all, like, niggas in general was out here defending him and saying y'all didn't get what he was talking about. No! Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, like that's not that's what are y'all doing? Like what are y'all doing, bro? We have shunned hoteps for years. Soon as Kyrie opens his mouth, it's like, oh well, you know, maybe he's right. No, nigga, he's not right. <laughs> like sometimes, bro, and it's like all the years of like athlete protests of like the whole, you know, like the Black Lives Matter protests and you know speaking up about racism in America. And then y'all turn around and start doing shit like this. And it's just like, it's so contradictory because it's like now, if Kyrie Irving ever comes out and says anything about like, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not preaching respectability politics. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking flat out like, bro, you got to say shit that makes sense, bro. I'm not trying to antagonize Jewish people, bro. It's <laughs> just not, that, that ain't what I'm here for to do, bro. I care about black people. You know, and and you, and you out here leading some of these people down a very dangerous path too. It, it's just too much shit going on. It's too much disinformation. It's too much hostility. It's just too much going on out here for y'all to be making missteps like this. Like we can't afford it. We cannot afford it as black people. We can't. That's that's just I'm not you, bro. It's just it's yeah, just we all. Got, we got we got to do better. All right, I'm with you. And speaking of us, got to do better, man. Um. By now, I'm sure most people listening have heard the news about Takeoff and, you know, him being killed in Houston over a fucking dice game, apparently, is the news. I don't know how true that part is, but, like, it was some type of argument and dude is killed. And I'm just like, bro, it is way too many. I mean, it's not just about rap, but, like, rap is kind of, in a lot of ways, a microcosm of black lives in, in a lot of ways. Not all of it, but, like, some of it. The amount of just young black people that are being killed over nonsense is like really pissing me off, bro. Like, and it's just fucking ridiculous, bro. Like, how is it that cooler heads can't prevail? Why do we always gotta prove we big and bad to people, bro? Like, I'm starting to sound like an old head, I feel like, but it's like, bro, <laughs> it shouldn't be like this. It should not be like this. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a tough time right now, man. Uh, you know, it hurts just, you know, even talking about this. Um, because it, it's something that's so regular now, right? Like, you know, whether so it's, you know, people it. 
the videos on Twitter. I mean, I, I think our people are so desensitized to these occurrences happening, right? Like we're, you know, this happened, you know, early this morning, late last night, however you want to, you know, call it, um, you know, PMB Rock, you know, happened a month ago, was, you know, was killed a month ago. And, you know, um, you know, of course, Nipsey Hustle, you know, that, that broke the airways and Dolph and, you know, Pop Smoke and it's just ridiculous. Um, you know, all the, the Chicago time. rappers, like, I'm like, bro, this yeah. is, yeah. you want to think, and it's just, if we're, we're going to talk about the music side of it, like, well, first of all, like you said, bro, like, what is wrong with, and it's not even just our generation, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of people our age and younger. When somebody is dead or perceived to be dead, why is the first thought in your head to flash a camera and record a video of a dead person? Like, what is registering in your mind that thinks that's okay or that that's appropriate or that that's even something that you don't want to further traumatize other people on the internet, bro? Like, what what is the value of a retweet that people are just... Because it was him. Remember when X, Triple X, I don't know how to say his name, but when he died and somebody was recording his body in the fucking Lambo? Like, what is wrong with us? Recording dead bodies. That's first of all. Secondly, like you mentioned, all those names and some of them I forgot about. Like I can like Pop Smoke and and uh, and Dolph. I, I hadn't even been thinking about them until you just said it. It's a whole generation of. It's a whole two or three rap as a genre is not that old. Like we're coming up on what the 50th anniversary of of hip hop being born this mm-hmm. upcoming year. So it's as a genre like this is not an old genre. It is too yeah. many people, pioneers in in some cases like Dolph and and, and Migos. It's too many of them dying, like young. Like why are people not able to live to be old, bro? Like this is sad that so many people are dying in their thirties and twenties and teens. Yeah. Like this just it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, it's, it's wild, bro. And, and you know the fact is, you know he was. 28 years old, right? Like, two years years old. old. It's just wild to even comprehend that someone like that who's, like you said, he's made such an impact to our generation. And, you know, Migos, like, they revolutionized, you know, the the rap came down there in Atlanta, right? Like, you know, know, I I still remember going to the tour. I went to the tour um, Drake, when Drake toured with Migos, Drake and the Three Amigos. And, like, just the energy in the building and just thinking all through college, like, these guys who created an empire, right? Like they, they're, you know, I feel like they were, they moved smart. I feel like they always, you know, they even talked about it. I feel like they were on drink champs not so long ago, just talking about how important security was to them. And um, just to see one senseless act and like how as, as, as people were just, you know, we just get so invested in, in, in things or, just don't know how to handle our emotions truly and it's sad that we we're killing each other and um the fact that this has become so regular bro is, is wild to me like i feel like every couple of weeks it's, it's somebody a rapper that's being killed senselessly yeah. right like why why just because uh and there's always something stupid it ain't never like it's never nothing for real it's always something stupid like oh there was an argument about him being a snitch oh he he got in a heated argument over a dice game oh he stole somebody's girl like y'all can't just talk it out or fight it out bro why you gotta shoot it out bro like what is like yo and then the thing that makes it even sadder about the Migos is like we kind of know in the recent years like Offset kind of broke off from the other two like that was something that kind of made waves in the last year or so like that they weren't really the the three of them anymore so like it was some stuff I guess that they didn't have settled but and it's like bro now you don't ever get to talk that out Uh or at least not with takeoff I mean hopefully maybe Quavo and Offset can reconcile and come together but like bro senseless and and now this nigga who killed him now his life his or her or their life is ruined it's like Uh It's just a vicious cycle. It's just nasty, you know. And I, I mean, it's it's this shit is ridiculous. I, it's just it's gotta stop, bro. Like we killing off too many people's lineage. It's too many generations of people. Like 
He's 28, and yeah, he's a millionaire, but if we being honest, he ain't lived no life yet at 28. At all. Like, yeah, I know he's a millionaire, and he's probably traveled the world a little bit, but, like, it's so much more that he could have been doing later in his life, and with more money and more, probably could have started a family at some point. Like, it's so many things that probably won't happen now. Not probably. There's so many things that won't happen now. Like, that shit is just... Yeah. It, it's, it's nasty. Yeah, man. It's just... Like bro, like it's just, at some point, you know, it's just like when when is it going all end, right? Like when are we going, when are we going, you know, start to, you know, whether it's holding people accountable, making, you know, re- reforms and and everything, like we gotta care about I'm, ourselves as people before we ask other people to care about us, and that, and that goes with everything, whether it's holding people like Kanye and Kyrie accountable, or whether it's stopping the violence within our communities which is it's so many layers to it it's not as simple as what i'm saying obviously like it's, it's a lot of stuff like racism and stuff but there are just certain things like bro we gotta do can't ask people to respect us if we don't respect ourselves like i'm really sounding like an old head today it's crazy <laughs> but sometimes they really be talking that real shit like it's just we we gotta love ourselves as a people man it's, it's sad we don't value ourselves no nah. You're real, bro. That's real. Like, we don't value... Some of us don't value our own lives, and that's why they're not scared about ending somebody else's, because you don't value your own. This shit is nasty. But I say, I mean, rest in peace to take off. You know, prayers up to Quavo. Prayers up to Offset. Prayers up to their families and friends. And prayers up to the city of Atlanta, man. So... And the city of Houston, too. It's a day, bro. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a sad day. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to move on from that. But obviously, as, as crazy of a week as this was, you know, we need some good news. And that's why, you know, well played, dedicated to some stuff that makes people still feel good about the world. And if you are an HBCU graduate, the last couple of weeks have been amazing. Even if you're a black person that respects HBCUs, like the last couple of weeks, HBCUs have really been showing up and showing out like we started the show talking about Jackson State, you know, college game day came for the first time ever to a SWAC school, which, you know, they'd been to FAMU, but they were in the MEAC at the time. You know, now they're in the SWAC, but they were in the MEAC back then when they went. But this is the first time ever college game day came on a campus of a SWAC school. So, you know, the city showed up and showed out just like I thought they would, you know, shout out to Jackson State. And then all the... 60 minutes and good morning america and you got snoop dogg showing up at homecoming and you got rick ross on the sidelines and all that stuff jackson state it's well documented what they've been doing then you flip around family i mean not family well them them too they had homecoming this weekend it was great north carolina a t it's like even though i've never been there it's like a second home to me because i got so many friends that graduated and i really wanted to be there and this weekend and i saw their videos and it was for obvious reason chloe bailey was there tearing the joint up with the band members and then J.R. Smith you know as if we didn't need any more free press J.R. Smith flat out endorsed HBCU Olympics this man said he has played in NBA finals he has been to some of the best he's been to Super Bowls he's been all over the place he said there is nothing like a homecoming at North Carolina AT, nothing like an HBCU homecoming it did my heart good to see HBCUs in such a great light this past couple of weeks man Absolutely, on top, on top where they belong. You know what I mean? On top where they belong. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in the second category, as you said. Uh, you know, black folk that that didn't go to HBCU, but uh, but can live vicariously through the rest of y'all. Um, and definitely on, on my, yeah, you know, list of things to to, to attend one day. My dad's a North Carolina A and T alum. Uh, my mom actually, my mom went to Howard. My brother went to Dell State and Cheney. So. Definitely, you know, been been all to all those campuses, but haven't yet to experience the true HBCU homecoming. But um, hey man, it, it, it's definitely you know a beautiful thing to see us on top where where we belong. Um, said, you know, yeah, in the NBA, but now he's uh competing as a NCAA golfer at North Carolina A&T, which has been a, a super dope experience to kind of follow along. But um, 
I mean, HBCUs always do it well, uh, always get the best talent uh, there for, for those homecoming concerts uh, and the vibes and the, and the energy, um, you know, always looks unbelievable. So, hey, man, hoping hoping I can get a free Sunday or free Saturday one of these weekends. That's always a, a tough thing for me was working working in sports is working in sports or playing sports. Oh, I, I know that. Travel. I know that. Weekend, so definitely, man, definitely on the list. I'm right around the corner now from you know from Howard and and DC, so definitely want to be able to uh, you know make it make it out you know sooner rather than later. So hopefully hopefully I can make my my debut uh, next next year, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, next year I'm going everywhere. I'm, I was supposed to go A&T this year, I couldn't go. Next year I'm I'm going to A&T, and Howard is always love because I, I got family members that went to Howard. I obviously went to Morgan. You know, you ever want to come up to Morgan? Let me know because you know we we do it right too. So. But yeah, HBCUs in general one have been winning. They continue to win, and they're just gonna keep winning, you know. And yeah, so that being said, we're gonna end this show with one final note. Obviously, we talked about Takeoff's passing, and it was sad. But we want to remember him in a positive light, and so we can't. How? What better way to do that, bro? I gotta ask you your favorite songs by the Migos like the songs that just kind of are like bro this is what got me into them that's a good one uh, I mean for me like going to their tour was lit going to their tour was definitely lit for me um, so I'm definitely definitely uh, you know uh, a, a culture fan uh, just because you know I feel like that's what really you know 2017 that's what really extended them to like superstardom right like I feel like they was definitely always they always had the, the, the they always had the hood you know no label always had like mm-hmm. the the black folk they always had us vibing uh, but i think it's always great to see like the evolution uh so for me like culture was was that was that album that did it for them um you know kelly price i love that song with, with travis um you know slippery with gucci me and my teammates used to do have a little dance to that um, even like uh, podcasting is, is a great John uh, from so those all from culture that I that I really love. Um, but hey, man, Migos they had they had a they had a, the their their their, their post on on it for a minute. Uh, I just feel like definitely back, uh, with no label, freak no more. Definitely had people going crazy in college. Handsome yeah, and well, you had people going crazy in college. Uh, so like fight night had people going crazy in college. So <laughs> they definitely had some bangers, man. But no just, label, probably no label two and, and culture, probably my two Migos albums. I was about to say no label two was. I came into college in 2014. That was right around when no labels really was like. It was the soundtrack of my freshman year, bro. Freak no more, fight night. Um, <laughs> what's the other one? Uh, Handsome and wealthy. Like <laughs> I'm like every club you went to, my friend. When in 2014 they was playing. All of those in ro- in rep in rotation, you know, freak no more. Like it's like, bro, it's crazy. Then, like you said, culture twenty seventeen, bro. T shirt is my favorite song forever, bro. Okay. Like I love T shirt. Like that is my favorite Miko song, bro. It's just crazy, and it's like we said, bro. They they changed. That like everybody likes to call themselves pioneers and stuff, but like no, if you really look at. Sometimes you could argue for better or for worse. Like, it's a lot of people that try to do it and don't do it as well as they did. But the sound that they put out, and they they changed, they changed the game, bro. Like, they, they really are. And them, Young Thug, all of them, like, really changed the game, bro. It's, 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 it's kind of really... And that's why it's sad that this happened. Because it's like, when people do that and they just don't get to live long enough to really see the fruits of their labor and it's just like bro you know absolutely like them love them or hate them they change the game bro yeah absolutely bro and we always talk about this too i mean it's so important to get people their flowers while they're here right but it's it's so sad that we got to say that about a dude that was 28 right mm-hmm. uh, or, or you know even you know in quavo you know a little over 30 right like the fact that we even gotta say oh did we even give them their flowers? But it's like, damn, we would, we would have thought they had so much more time than than this, right? So, but, but I mean, I think us in the you know in the in the black community, definitely we always supported and showed Migos a lot of support, and um, you know hope hope they felt you know hope that uh, Takeoff felt the love when he was here. Right. Um, but it's definitely you know it's definitely sad to, to have him go out. But hey, man, definitely you know definitely definitely sending the prayers out to the city of Atlanta. Um, you know, of course, Quavo, Offset. 
you know, and all everybody around that Atlanta music scene. Right, right. But yeah, we gonna end the show on that. You know, um, rest in peace to take off. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Rest in peace, Young Dog. Rest in peace, DMX, man, because we lost him too. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. Just rest in peace to all of the, of the soldiers we lost in the last five or six years, man, mm-hmm. um, in the rap game. And obviously, y'all take care of each other. Really look out. And like I said to people, one of the most underappreciated blessings is waking up and going out and being able to come home and go to your bed in one piece, bro. Like, I thank God every day that I wake up and every day that I go to sleep, bro. Like, it's, it's just, it's too underappreciated. Like, just to be able to get up and look around and just be cool. So, yeah, just make sure y'all thank God for waking y'all up this morning. Point blank, period. But this has been the Play-By-Play Analysis Podcast. It's your boy, Devin Ash, BSK, Play-By-Play. If you know, you know. If you don't know, don't worry about it. But we're going to get up out of here. I'm going to see y'all when I see y'all. Deuces. Peace.